All right, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. We've been going verse by verse through this book since uh, the beginning of the summer. We're on part 11, so I guess this is 11 weeks of doing this, and God's showing us great truths from his word. And today's message is called, We Can Shine. We Can Shine. One of my favorite places that I've been to in this world, I went there kind of accidentally. I was, on a, I was at a family reunion in West Texas. I'm not from West Texas. I'm from North Texas. But uh, this family reunion was in the middle of nowhere, Marfa, Texas. And if, if you put your finger on a map and you said, no one lives there, that's about where this area was. But there was something really special that is there near Marfa, maybe an hour from Martha, Marfa, excuse me, with an F, and that is the McDonald's Observatory. It's been around since 1939, but it's a place where you can go and, and, they, and see the stars without light and interference. El Paso's the, the biggest major city, but it's some distance away. And um, getting there, I mean, our life felt like it was in the balance driving, uh, driving through uh, mountains. Yes, there are mountains in Texas and without railing and trying to get there on time. But once we got there, it was amazing to see um, the universe, God's creation, without much light interference. And I thought about that today because uh, the scripture you're going to see Uh, The Apostle Paul refers to the stars. I've often thought about God's covenant and promise to Abraham in Genesis 12 about, uh, can you even count the stars? Um, That's how many your descendants will be. And we who believe in Jesus are among those descendants this morning. And someday I think we'll be able to see creation at its finest and at its best and see how magnificent uh, the stars are without interference. So keep that in mind as we read today's passage. And at the end of reading today's passage, I'm going to present this as the word of the Lord. And if you choose so, you can respond. Thanks be to God, because we are thankful for his word. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 14. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice, the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should be glad and rejoice with me. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the very beginning part of this scripture, 100% of us are convicted here. Because <laughs> it said, do everything without grumbling are arguing. And here's my first observation today. It's not the most positive one, but it's going to help you. Complaining defiles. Complaining defiles us. 
That's problematic because I know all of you complained sometime this morning. And sometimes, you know, observations, we're, we're talking out loud or we're making our wishes known or we're even, we're even letting someone close to us know, you know, how we think and how we respond. And we, we, some are, we, we kind of group that in as complaining. I don't think that's always complaining. Just because something is less than positive doesn't mean it's complaining. But here in this scripture, the, the word grumbling is used. And that's not a word we use as much. But it's directly related to God's people in the book of Deuteronomy. Who after being delivered from Egypt, grumbled against the Lord and against his plan. So... When I talk about complaining here, I'll touch a little bit about the natural stuff we do. But I, I want to think deeper into who we are as a person and when we have a complaining, grumbling spirit against the will of the Lord for our lives. And, and yeah, I want you to improve and I want to improve on the whole complaining deal. But, but that's not really what this is all about. I think it does apply, but I, I think it also is talking about as God is moving in his people and moving in us as an individuals, so when we begin to grumble and complain against his work in our life. So rereading this again, verse 14, do everything without grumbling and arguing. I didn't even talk about arguing there. So that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation. There's a really strong contrast here. And he's using very strong language, crooked and perverted generation. The, the, perverted is one of the strongest words you can use. And he's saying there's a contrast there. If you want to be blameless, if you want to be pure... A characteristic, a characteristic of that is, is eliminating grumbling, complaining, and arguing. I want you to think about something. What catches someone's attention? What distinguishes you? What sets you apart just in human interaction and human behavior? I want to tell you one of the things that will distinguish you is if you can stop complaining. Because complaining... And arguing are such a part of who we are and is such an acceptable part of, of how we communicate. That when we, when we begin to reduce those characteristics in our life and, and choose, choose something different, we stick out. And we, we are noticed and there's something different about us. This scripture is calling us to a different type of way of being blameless. A lot of times we think that we're blameless only when we avoid sexual sin or only when we avoid um, being lax and going to church or only if we take the right big moral position. Okay, those are all important things. And I'm not trying to minimize those. But we can often, we can maybe get three or four, five, six things right that make us appear to be spiritual but we don't care about this complaining and arguing. And the Lord's saying here, if you really want to go deeper in me, if you really want to go deep, if you really want to stick out, if you really want to shine, eliminate complaining 
and eliminating arguing. And man, that's hard to do. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit begins to transform us. you, You may have had a habit for 60 years of always complaining. You may have had a habit for your whole life of being great at at arguing just for sport. And the Holy Spirit saying, let me get a part of that life in you. One theologian suggested this, that these defects, complaining and arguing, are the last things to cling to Christians. I can feel that. That's hitting me a little bit today. We, we, we have other things. We're like, God doesn't care about that because that's my personality. But he's saying here, saints, listen, to shine. What makes you stick out in this perverted generation? What makes you stick out in this crooked generation? Complaining, eliminating that, eliminating arguing. Ephesians 4.29, it's a different church, different book, same author. No foul language should come from your mouth but only what is good for building up someone in need. So that it gives grace to those who hear. The Apostle James wrote about this, about how impossible it is without the Holy Spirit to control our tongues. Hey, this reminds us we all have some growing to do, don't we? We, we all have some, something the Lord could do in our lives. There's transformation that's happening and and it's changing us from the inside out. And one of the, the, the many manifestations that happen, the way we talk, how we talk, eliminating, complaining, and arguing is a big part about, of our spiritual life. Now, if I would ask you this question today, I would say, what, what is the word of God? What is the word of God? You would immediately answer the Bible. And I think that is, that is obviously true. But I, w- I want to show you today that the word of God really is Jesus. And this brings me to my second point today. The word shines. The word shines. Let's go back to verse 16. Here's the contrast. Among you whom shine like stars in the world... How do you shine like stars in the world? Well, we already talked about eliminating, complaining, and arguing, but that's not really it. That's just half of that. But by holding firm to the word of life, holding firm to the word of life. Now, I've spent most of my life not really caring about what is happening in the sky. I just didn't didn't really pay attention to that, but... These last three or four years, I've gotten real nerdy. Maybe it had something to do with that 2015 vacation um, to the McDonald's Observatory. But I'm the guy who stands in my backyard now and, like, looks at the sky. Maybe that has something to do with me being old now, right? (laughs) Now, it's too bad. I wish I would have cared about some of this stuff when I was younger. But now I'm old. I like to look at birds and I like to look at the stars. It's happening, people. It's happening. I can feel. I can feel it. And so, and so Beth pointed out to me, that's my wife, she pointed out to me an app because she knows all things uh, with technology. There's an app where, where once you sync it with your phone, I guess, like you can hold up your phone in the sky and identify stars and planets and so forth. So not only am I the weird guy who stands in his backyard looking at the sky, but I hold my phone up to the sky too. Yeah, that's crazy. So 
we, we know that stars, stars give out their own light just because the sun is a star. So this, this analogy is going to break down a little bit here, but just go with me. But the moon reflects the sun. And, and the planets do also, from my understanding of it. If you're an astronomer, you can correct me after service. Don't raise your hand right now. You're going to mess up my sermon. But I, I'm pretty sure, and Beth and I'm pretty sure, because I ran my, this illustration by her, that, that, that Mercury and, and Mars, and especially Jupiter, are, are reflecting the sun. And so just last night, I just did this just to test it out again. You could go, in my backyard, I could see here in Sumner County, Jupiter and Saturn from the native eye. Depending on the time of year, time of night, you understand all that. Reflecting the sun, reflecting the image of that. And really, that's how we are as Christians. I know the Apostle Paul says, shine like stars. But now we understand now more from astronomy that this idea of the, like the moon or the planets, like we're, we're reflecting the glory of the Lord. We're, we're shining. We're reflecting that star, the sun. That's what we're doing. We're reflecting him. We don't, we don't admit the light on our own. We reflect the glory. We reflect the light. John chapter 1, starting with verse 1, says it this way. In the beginning was the word. Now, I, I want to point out that in the beginning, Zondervan was not producing leather Bibles with that special kind of crinkly paper and bookmarks. And that didn't happen in the beginning. In fact, it took a long time for the Bible to develop. But what was at the beginning and has always been is the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word, the logos is what that means. That's a special, special word in in the Greek language. The logos, the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him. Not the verse 14 and one of the most be- some of the most beautiful words on earth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory as the one and only son from the father full of grace and truth. Now, how do we know this? We know this because we have the Bible. So, yes, the Bible is the word of God. But I want you to see that even beyond that, Jesus is the word of God. He's the message. His ways are the message. His ways are the truth to us. And before even the Bible was fully established, back to our passage today, we see there and put it one more time, Philippians 2, 15, 16. It says, among you shine like stars in the world. Why? We know we want to avoid complaining and arguing, but, some, but to do that, we have to hold firm to the word of life. Hold firm to Jesus. Hold firm to his message. Hold firm to his perspective. Hold firm to his teaching. Hold firm to the word of life because that's what makes the difference. And guys, you are doing that. You are doing that. You are faithful people. You are people who love the Lord. The fact that you're watching a church service right now, the fact that you just took time to come into a room, thank you so much. I'm amazed when I look out on Sundays and I see faces and I see people 
most people I know, some people I'm getting to know, some people visiting, but I'm just like, thank you, Lord, for everyone who comes because the church is being preserved and your story is, is, has been chosen by God to intertwine with his story and he's the dominant person in the story. And so great things are happening. You're holding on to the word of life. You're doing that. So continue to hold on to the word of life. Hold on to what you've been taught. Hold on to what you know. Hold on to the way that you've discovered. Hold on to the way, for those of you who are are multi-generational Christians, don't be the one who stops the work of Jesus in your generation. I know we have dozens of people either watching or here who have come to know the Lord and you're the first one in your family. And Lord, may it happen over and over again. May that multiply by thousands of times through the ministry of this church. May that happen. And I just love the fact that we have first generation Christians here. But I got to speak to some of you who are multi-generational Christians Don't be the one who stops the goodness of God from being known in your family line. I mean, this this is an important story because your story is not just about you. You're carrying the story of those who have gone before you. And your story is also impacting generations to come. So much is on the line because of your faith. And you've belittled that. You've thought, well, my, my life's not important. My moral choices aren't important. My participation in the community of God is, is not important. And I'm going to tell you this. The word has told us in this crooked and perverse generation, not so with you. You instead hold to the word of life and shine like the stars. The darker the darker the night is, the brighter the stars shine. I want to tell you this. We're not scared of culture. We're not scared of the world. We are not there cursing the darkness. We are reflecting the glory and the presence of God. We are shining in such a way, in a bright way, because God is glorified as we hold fast to his word. And by grace, he's done that. Amen. You know, I was a youth pastor for for a long time, and I loved it. I loved being a youth pastor, but here was the greatest feeling that I would get. And I've told Pastor Mauricio this. I've told Faith this, our children's pastor. The best feeling was at the end of youth camp when the last kid was picked up. I mean, victory, man. I mean, I loved it. I loved everything about camp. I loved the stories, the pranks, the altar time, the exhaustion. And you spend a whole week of camp getting, getting two or three hours of sleep at night. And you're just spent, man. You're just spent and you're done. But when that last parent, and there's always a parent who comes like an hour late. Don't be that parent. I just want to just, just, I'm helping you out, brother. I'm helping you out. This is Mauricio, our youth pastor. You may have thought Jesus showed up today. He just looks like Jesus. We're going to get you a white robe and, and, and put a cross up here. And, and man, it's going to be, a, we're going to be back to the 80s, man. It's going to be great. Then a passion play or whatever. But th- that last kid, when he's picked up, 
It's like I am exhausted mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. But man, it was a great week. They're all safely returned. They're now the parents' problem now. They're no longer my problem. I had to control dozens of kids all week long. But now they're back to their parents. I want want you to think about something. I'm glad we have great teaching on burnout today. And I'm glad we have great teaching on pace and, and understanding spiritual Sabbath and, and th- those are important things. And those allow us to have decades-long ministries. But guys, we also have to be willing to get a little tired for Jesus sometimes. And, and I want to tell you, the best kind of tired you have, can have is when you've given it all to the kingdom of God. And now you're entering into a season of rest, just like Jesus did with his disciples. But there's really no rest if there's never any work. I mean, some of us, you know, we want the Sabbath like six days a week and one day of work. Yeah, that's not what God said. But, but I just want to, I want you to remember a feeling. And I shared a feeling with you, that last kid being picked up. Or maybe it's you when, when, when you finished that 242 and you, and you made the seven meetings that semester. Or, or you know, you, you helped that kid finally memorize the scripture. Or that neighbor that you've lived near for 10 years and you've never walked across the street to say hello, you just decided it's time for me to get beyond the embarrassment and to show kindness to my neighbor. And you do these things and it costs you a little bit. And sometimes it costs you a lot. But it feels good because you're spending your life on something that matters, is something that makes a difference. You're spending your life on something that truly, truly makes an impact. And we give our energy to things that don't satisfy and leave us more empty. Here's my last point today. Sacrificial service rejoices. Sacrificial service rejoices. Let's go to verse 16. He's saying this to people that he was shepherding and pastoring. When you... Stop complaining and arguing and get that true spiritual depth. And then instead of being part of a crooked and perverted generation, you shine like stars. You shine, and I'm going to say, like, since we have more knowledge in this generation, we reflect the glory of God like a moon or a planet. When you do these things, this is what he says in verse 16, then I can boast in the day of Christ. I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I'm poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, let me just give some commentary here. It was very common among the idol worshipers in this part of the world to pour a drink offering over the sacrifice. There's even some of that in Judaism all given by the word of God. But in the fake religions, the alternative religions, this idea of pouring over a sacrifice. And this was a word picture they would have been familiar with in Philippi. And he's saying, even if I'm, my, I'm like a sacrificial service of faith being poured out as a drink, I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you. 
Now this happened in the same way. Let me just read this. Thank you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Now this happened probably, scholars think, about 15 years before Paul was executed. The best, the best uh, knowledge that they have. But it's not the only time he said something very similar to this. Because about 15 years later, he wrote this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. For I am already, it's not going to be on the screen, but for I am already being poured out. Listen to this closely. 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which Lord, the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. He was poured out for other people. And I just want to remind you today, your life matters. The interactions you have at your job, the family dynamics that you're in right now, this era of your family matters. Your singleness, God has a great purpose in that this day. The school that you attend, the place that you work, the people you care for in your homes, the Lord is at work. The Lord is at work. It's not a someday that he's going to use you. He's using you today. And you can't see the greatness of what he's doing because you're in the middle of the fight. You're in the middle of the sacrifice. But I want to tell you, our product is changed lives. Our product is people who are shining like stars in a crooked and perverse generation. And we can do that. We can do that when Jesus continues to have his way in our lives and he continues to transform us from the inside out. And then some of us, I know some of you haven't been a Christian very long and, and that's, a, that's a wonderful blessing that you're part of our church family. Some of us like me, I've been a Christian a long time and you know what my temptation is? To, to stop growing, to stop seeking God, to stop allowing him to transform me, to take pride in my longevity to take pride in my reputation and the whole time. God's saying, Aaron, I want to refine your personality. I want to get a hold of your language. I want to I captivate your words. I want you to quit complaining and arguing and instead shine, be a contrast.